Uh, welcome back, Lincoln Podcast. Today we have Andrew Coates. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right, I, I wasn't sure. Wonder if it's, it's got a, an exotic pronunciation. It's just Coates. Where are you from? Canada, right? I I am in Edmonton, Canada. I'm originally from the east coast of Canada, a, a smaller city called Saint John's, Newfoundland. And uh, but I moved out west 16 years ago. I got you. So let's just let's just get how we how I met. So um, I was on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, and you know how like you get, like when you're searching and you're just looking through like the the search feed or whatever, like the explore page. Yeah, the explore page. Yeah, yeah. like and uh, I saw I saw something you had written, and I was like, oh shit, that's cool. Let me uh, let me follow. This. You know, this is good advice. Let me uh, let me follow him. And then I just started seeing more and more of you as after I started following you. You know. And I was like, hey, I'm just going to send him a message. Let's see if he wants to do the podcast. And here we are. <laughs> it's it's crazy to me that fitness professionals wouldn't want to do a podcast. I mean, yeah, I get it that people are busy, uh, you know, lives and especially families and whatnot. But if someone wants to bring you onto something like this to share you with their audience, I mean, that's a gift. It's a it's a kindness. So, I, of course, I, I always try to make the time for this. I think I've hosted my own podcast for almost five years, so I totally understand it. Yeah. Um, what is your podcast called? It's called the Lift Free and Diet Hard Podcast. Yes, yeah, so that's the, been a re- oh, sorry, go ahead. It's a rebrand. My old co-host, my good friend Dean Guido, he had to give it up because, well, him and his wife are having a daughter. So he handed me the keys to the kingdom and insisted I kept going. And it's uh pretty much a weekly podcast. I've talked to the who's who of the fitness industry, people like Dr. John Berardi, Precision Nutrition and uh, Dr. Mike Gizertel is a friend, and Sohee Lee, and Jordan Syatt, and, uh, and a lot of these kind of people. So it, it's it's a fun playground. Jordan's uh, Gary V's guy. Absolutely. I yep. love that. I love Gary V, and that Jordan guy seems like a really good person, man. He seems like he puts good information out there for everybody. He's a juggernaut in our Because that's what uh, uh, Eric Roberts had Jordan on his podcast, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. He seems like, a, I, it's like he's very helpful for people, man. I just recently connected with Eric and his media has grown and it's absolutely exploded. And he's a mentee of Jordan and Mike Vacanti and their mentorship. Another Gary um, V guy. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, I actually been listening to their podcast recently too. And I like those guys. They both been guests, but I'm going to bring uh, Eric on mine just because he's seen so much media growth and he's really nailing, he's nailing TikTok, but he's doing really great on Instagram. And he's just a good example of, <laughs> Growing following is not the end goal for most fitness professionals, right? Yeah. It often becomes a big vanity metric, but there are people who are good at it and able to leverage it and get a lot of really cool things. Uh, I, a lot of cool things come from my following. So I'm grateful for it. Like Gary Vee always says, you start with one. So can you tell us how you built your following? Yeah. <laughs> I've got an entire presentation around building brand that I, uh, that I do at, at fitness conferences, but I'll, I'll sort of summarize it really quickly. I think there's kind of four elements. You have to start with your base community. Mm-hmm. Like if you know people from old, an old job or where you went to school or your, your, your social life, your family, whatever you make sure you have those people on social media and you take the knowledge and experience that you have and you share it and you serve that community. And that's huge. Yeah. And then as you travel and network, and, and I don't like networking for the sake of, ooh, networking, it's kind of sounds greasy, but as you meet people across the industry, I love traveling to conferences, you meet people there, you connect with those people on social media. And a lot of times the biggest supporters you'll find in your career, and a lot of this is going to be a very fitness industry centric sort of discussion, because that's the world I live in. 
those people are a lot of them are on the same road journey that you're on. So you never know where someone's going. So these are great people that will benefit from your support and will be will be enthusiastic about supporting you as long as everybody's of a abundance mindset. You can smell people who are just in it for themselves and mm-hmm. selfish. And then if you really want to take it further, you continue to serve those audiences by, by sharing things. If you can create shareable media or understand how any given social media platform works to take advantage of the, the maximum organic reach you can get from it. And with something like TikTok or Instagram, that's big on reels right now, which Eric Roberts is doing great with. I haven't embraced them yet, but I'll, I'll play with them. Right, video is going to be big. Yeah. And whatever you do, you create something that people want to share and want to engage with. And if it's being shared, it's getting in front of more eyes. And if you have those relationships across the industry, sometimes you get powerful people who will share stuff. Mike Isertel, big platform, good friend. He's been sharing my stuff for a long time and I get droves of followers every time he does it. And then finally, you just continue to serve the community that you have and foster the strength of those relationships. And, uh, and then a lot of good stuff can come out of it. Yeah, I think like... I think a lot of people get discouraged sometimes because they'll post something and it's like, doesn't get the engagement they think they should deserve. But it's like, if you keep being consistent and you have good shit, I think eventually if you're like, like Gary says, the market will depict what you are worth pretty much. So like mm-hmm. you and you're you combining with like Jordan and, and Eric and stuff like that. Like if you have good uh, content, it's eventually going to pass off to somebody that's like, okay, that resonates with me. Oh, absolutely. I don't even know what to add to that. It's just, you're exactly right. So how did you get into fitness? I grew up around sports. Um, there wasn't a lot to do in rural Newfoundland, but we got to cross-country ski and play a lot of basketball and softball and those sort of things. My dad got me a weight bench when I was in my teens. I dabbled with it. I wasn't super consistent. Again, dabbled with things as I got into university. Uh, but at 24 years of age, I got really sick with a nasty flu, lost 10 pounds, came out the other side, wasn't feeling good. I'm tall. I'm 6'2", and I was weighing about 170 pounds after being sick. I was just like, this is terrible. So I got really consistent, really aggressive with the gym. And about seven months later, I was walking around at about 210 pounds, lean, muscular, athletic, feeling really good. So that was life-changing. And it had been a part of my life ever since. And in my 20s, there were ebbs and flows, and you know, you follow different career paths and, and crazy shit goes on. Owning a nightclub was a major inter- interference with a fitness lifestyle. But I sold that many years ago. Uh, moved up to Edmonton and joined a local gym, started working out aggressively again. And then the gym staff seeing me there just kept asking me to come work there as a trainer. Uh, initially, I resisted, but finally I said, all right, well, let's give this a shot. And it worked out really well. I got busy quickly, uh, generated a lot of referrals, renewed my clientele, and it grew into something I was very passionate about. I didn't chase a passion. If anybody's familiar with Cal Newport's book, So Good They Can't Ignore You, uh, sort of debunks the passion hypothesis when it comes to your career. And it's been kind of the road that I've taken. Meanwhile, along the way, a lot of really cool stuff happened. Like uh, the podcast certainly was a great thing, getting to travel to fitness conferences, but being invited to write for uh, T Nation about three years ago, Generation Iron, and most recently, Muscle and Fitness Magazine, right? These are these are cool things. This is stuff I'm proud of. And yeah, yeah, it's, sure. these are publications that I read for years. So getting to write for them is kind of surreal. And it's, you know, it's certainly credibility and authority building as far as the industry goes. So it's something I value. 
Go ahead. So not I'm going to channel Kanye West for a second. Like not to uh, interrupt what you were doing, but you own the fucking nightclub. <laughs> that's the <that's laughs> cool yeah. shit. Dude. How do you fucking gloss over that shit? <laughs> oh yeah, I own a nightclub and I went to fitness and. <laughs> like, how old were you when you owned the nightclub? I believe so. I was a majority owner. Founded it with a couple partners. If I'm not mistaken, I was 26 years old. Oh God, fuck yeah, yeah man! Like, it was a it was a headache, right? It was like we're, we're doing a lot of after hours, a lot of partying, a lot of you know wild stuff, and <laughs> those days kind of read like the Motley Crue autobiography. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't make that stuff part of my media, my brand, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Life. But it you know, came with a lot of bullshit. You know, you're hanging out upstairs with, with like collective soul. They're the most famous. Oh, like, this, this is Newfoundland. We're off in the corner of the of North America. Yeah. You know, you get collective soul in the bar or, you know, local comedians and some ex NHL hockey players and pal around there. And it's just, you know, great, great people, great regulars. But it was just a very, there's a lot of problematic elements to that lifestyle. And, you know, a lot of late nights. Um, you're walking out of your bar when the sun is coming up that that gets old really mm, damn fast i probably would imagine so, yeah it's one of those things you just you can't build a life around yeah wow you lived a life man <laughs> i mean that's well, like like life experience is valuable in fitness yeah because i'm like you've done probably more than most people have ever imagined to do like you had the club now you have a fitness brand you know like that's in kudos to you, man. Like to like pivot from one thing to the other. I've done some other interesting shit too. I worked for you know, one of the major Canadian banks for a little while. Wasn't something I loved. I've uh, you know certainly bounced in nightclubs before. Um, narrowly missed meeting Harrison Ford one night at the door of a club at the back when I was about twenty five back in Newfoundland. Wow! I saw this guy walking away, and then someone nearby says to me, he's like, hey, that looked like Harrison Ford. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, like Harrison Ford is going to be walking around on the street in St. John's, Newfoundland. <laughs> Having, I have dinner with my, or lunch with my dad the next day. He's like, hey, did you hear Harrison Ford's in town? I'm like, shit, I just missed him. Uh, probably by less than 30 seconds. But uh, I've also dealt, uh, I was a casino poker dealer and supervisor along the way that was before the fitness career i've got a bachelor of commerce degree so i've actually done a, a bunch of different interesting things and the poker dealing is an interesting world as well you know there's a lot of bullshit there but i train clients today who started out and i met as clientele as poker players yeah. became friends of mine so th- there really is value in taking your past careers and life experience and making sure those people know what you're doing especially if you're involved in the fitness industry because if you approach that with integrity, people like you, they'll, they'll come work with you when you're in fitness. Well, we got a friend, um, his name is Kelly, and he owns a roofing company now. And he was very well liked when he ran a club here in Memphis. We, we used to all go to, and I worked at a, a long time ago. And when he was telling people, hey, you know, we're, we're closing the club. I'm going to open a roofing thing. And just because of his friendship with a lot of people, like you just got done saying, his roofing company is booming. You know, it's like, hey, you know, you were really cool then. You tr- oh, trust us, you know. I, you know, yeah, let's try this, and then boom, you're, next thing you know, just the relationships he built is gotten him so far. We know people like this. We all have friends like this. There's a pal of mine, Johnny Wacko. Is literally his last name is Wacko. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most charismatic people I know. Yeah. You know, restaurant and bar industry, very, very well liked. You know, in the city, and 
He gets an opportunity to become the owner of the first franchise and second location for Evolve Strength, which is the company that I, gym that I contract out. I'm not an owner, common misconception. So Johnny ultimately invests in this big, beautiful facility in downtown Edmonton. And this thing's phenomenal. But because of his connections, everybody liking him, it was just magic. And if I had friends who are trainers who wanted to come and look at Evolve and leave the old company, then I would just go here, let's go meet Johnny. And I knew he'd roll out the red carpet. They'd fall in love with him right away. They'd be charmed off their feet, takes good care of people. People like him. And sure enough, he would seal the deal. And next thing you know, they're starting a career that they're scared shitless of stepping out on their own. But it's the best thing that they ever did because they step into a great environment and, they, and they've got the experience to be able to thrive. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think networking and who you know is really the most valuable thing that you can accomplish in life. Because, like, I know a lot of people that have gone to school, you know, they may be the smartest person in the room or whatever, but if you don't know somebody to get to another level, it's for not. It, life is better when you know great people and you yeah. enjoy people. I don't, I, I don't look at it as, you know, people who are tactical about it. Like, ooh, what can I get out of this? Right. Um, transactional. I, mm-hmm. I don't like that. I mean, yeah. that life's not fun that way anyway. And you could smell someone who in, behaves that way. Yeah. But I love traveling within the industry. And some my idea of a great vacation is going to a fitness conference down in the U.S. and hanging out for the weekend and meeting and talking to people and seeing the presentations and just getting away from home for a little bit. And I have a lot of really great friends across the industry simply because I've got to do it. I keep people get asking me if I've ever been in the Nashville area or, you know, obviously Tennessee. And I want to visit because I know it's beautiful down there, right? No, come to Memphis. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Nashville. Nashville. <laughs> yeah. Nashville's just Nashville's fake as fuck. Man. Yeah. It's much overrated hotel rooms and high as hell hotel rooms. We're actually going to Nashville uh, in two weeks for a wedding. Our buddy's getting married <laughs> and like, I was looking up hotels like this hotel we used to go stay at all the time was like, you know, like 100 bucks, 120 bucks a night or something like that. I looked it up the other day or just two like a week ago. It was like 469 a night. And the hotel is not like posh or, you know, like high end. It's just a, it's like a La Quinta Inn or something, you know, like a little tiny hotel. No, I'm just kidding. Nashville's Nashville's nice, man. But like uh, there are a lot of uh, opportunities there. Cause we have a buddy that moved up there and like, he's connected with so many different people. He's like blossomed his business up there. So it is kind of a hub. So if you're doing something and you're into, cause like I, when I used to work for a company called Sarah Cannon and they were in this building on West end and they had Capitol records up there. So a lot of, you know, cause it's like a hub for country music and like a lot of, you know, famous people live up there now. So I can get why people want to go there and connect. But I, I think my issue with Nashville, like low key, is like people that leave here oh, this is the and best. they act like they're better than us. It's like, bitch, you grew up here. Like, <laughs> don't fucking switch up now because you moved. Oh, the be- no, even the better so is. It's not, it's not even Nashville. It's the people that transplant okay. from here. It's, uh, what's even better then is like when they move, they act all bougie when they're there and then they have to end up moving back because yeah, they, they can't, can't afford it. it. Yeah, because it's super expensive to live in Nashville right now. It totally makes sense. I know it's like one of the hot cities and it's kind of a, almost like a, an LA Vegas. of the West. I mean, of the yeah, uh, totally. South. Yeah, it actually totally is in a lot of ways. Very little bit, little bits to the spectacle and the glitz of Vegas and a lot of, uh, you know, the, the celebrity of LA. Yeah. So 
What kind of content do you post on your Instagram? It's, I mean, it's general fitness content. I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways people go about fitness stuff. Uh, I write a lot of articles on exercise form and programming and stuff like that, or just the business side of stuff, you know, uh, sales and, and media growth, which is what I love branding, especially. But the Instagram stuff is generally really accessible stuff. I don't like dabbling in so much motivation because that stuff gets really fluffy. Mm-hmm. But if it's, I like to think of it as fitness philosophy, and it's certainly philosophy for other people in the fitness industry and for people who are in the general population consuming these messages. It's meant to be accessible uh, to everybody or most everybody. We have this weird cult in our industry, and it exists in popular culture that likes to police your messages. And if it's not the most inclusive message possible in every regard, then you're demonic and you're bad and you need to be canceled. And people take that stuff a little too far. But at the same time, it's good to be aware of some of the shitty messages that can be well-intentioned that come out of the fitness industry or anything that's on the the greater media that we're exposed to all the time. So I try to be really thoughtful about it and be sensitive to the fact that not everybody has access to the same resources, gyms, uh, quality of nutrition, and uh, and not everybody has the time in the day to make fitness a very regular part of their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So language like no excuses, you know, like that stuff's not helping anybody. That doesn't. I mean, and and again, I, I don't I don't police what other people say. If someone wants to share that kind of stuff, there's going to be an audience for them. And the person who's mad about it, well, it's not, that's not meant for you. So maybe go out there and do something positive and serve the people you profess to protect from these kind of messages. And instead of being the police watchdog of the industry and attacking and screaming at anyone who doesn't share their messages in a way that you deem righteous enough. Yeah. Yeah, there's a guy, I'm not going to name names, but I see he posts stuff and he's always calling people out for what they're doing, but he's kind of like the same thing. It's like people that judge people for doing something, like you're judging somebody for judging somebody. Like, just don't post it, man. Like, a lot of times you'll see stuff online and it's just like, I don't agree with that, but I'm not going to comment on it. Just keep it moving. It's the it's the metaphor. It's like you're walking down the street. There's dog shit right there on the grass next to where you're walking. And it's when you see something you don't like on the internet. And when you look at that dog shit, it's like when you see when you react to something on the internet you don't like, it's like rolling around in that dog shit and going, This is oh, terrible. Man. It smells yeah. awful. I, I want this to stop. You're the one who stopped and rolled around in the dog shit. Yeah. That's me. So <laughs> Yeah, because like he'll sometimes he'll like get into it. People I'm like, why, man? Like, man, I used to stop be. It. Yeah, I used to be really bad. Like someone will say, "Oh, fuck this or fuck that." I'm like, why? Like they're not doing anything to you, or you know, I'll like, I'll comment that, or you know, on their on their post or on Instagram or whatever. And then I'm like, and then I notice I spent like 30 minutes arguing with this person instead of doing my job at the at what I'm supposed to be doing. And then I'm behind 30 minutes. You know, I'm like, fuck. So I, re- I, I really. Um, well, now, how stressful is that? How distracting is it? How much, how much of your emotional energy has that sapped 
for you to then go about your day. You bring that shit home to someone you care about. Yeah. I mean, instead it's, of going, nah, I, I'm not engaging today. It's like they say, everybody has like opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. So it's just like, just let them have their opinion and fucking roll on, man. Like there's no point of wasting your time. Like you're saying on some dumb shit, you could be taking that time to go help somebody that's in need than to fucking argue with somebody online. It, it comes down to a sense of control of your own outcome. And a lot of times people are very frustrated. They, they, they complain about the influencers on social media. Guess what? They ain't going away. They're not going away. You get some idiot like Brittany Dawn. She's this Texan influencer, that fitness person that's pivoted off into religious stuff. Anyway, Texas is suing her for you know, her bullshit claims. Okay, cool. That's a, a victory. There are hundreds of thousands of these same people out there. And guess what? The majority of them won't ever get sued or nothing really bad's going to ever happen to them. And people cry, we need to regulate the fitness industry to make these people go away. They ain't going away. They're not certified to begin with. Instagram yeah. isn't going to have a fitness nutrition regulation that you have to get <laughs> yeah. before you can post on this stuff. That's not how this shit works. Yeah. And even if it did, they go over to TikTok and they do the same shit on TikTok or t- Twitter or YouTube. So it's a waste of your energy and it's a really negative place to live, to be pissed off and frustrated about what other people are saying and doing. You can use that time and that energy to craft your own message, your own brand, your own media, write your own articles, do your own, do your own YouTube, start your own fucking podcast instead of crying about what Joe Rogan is doing. Yeah. And I know he's a contentious thing out there and people like they want to cancel him. He needs to go away. It's like, hmm, I don't know. Like, I, I don't listen to Rogan. I really don't particularly care. I know he shares nutrition misinformation. He's definitely definitely fucked around with some stuff that hope I can swear. Um, you know, <laughs> medical misinformation over yeah. the last little bit. But what I can't get behind and I find is far more insidious and malevolent in our society is this mentality that needs to police that and silence anything that doesn't subscribe mm. to their political or tribal or I- ideological tribe. And we all know what's going on with that stuff. And, and I find the extremes to be particularly nasty on all sides of that spectrum. And I don't really want to live in a society where freedom of expression isn't fairly sacred. And I mean, these are big existential things that I don't want to go too far into it. And I'm also not someone who's determined to be an asshole on social media where I constantly have to worry about, you know, whether or not I'm going to lose my Twitter account. Yeah. I'm not interested in playing those games either because I don't want the negative energy. We were talking earlier about people wanting to come in and fight with me and argue with me. So, and it's not that my media is bland. I'm not interested in that either. I'm just like, I don't care to share politics or complex social issues. I'm Canadian. We got our own weird crap going on up here, but the number of my Canadian fitness professional friends who are caught up in American politics, guys, who gives a shit, right? You're not going to be able to change this stuff. (laughs) You know, Americans, they're frustrated enough as it is with what, what you guys have been dealing with for the last like month eight to 10 years down there. And I'm, I'm just not interested in sharing that stuff in my media because it tends to attract a tribe that's built around that stuff. It tends to deflect the other's tribe. And quite frankly, I'd like to help everybody with get active, be fit with their nutrition. And I, and I'm not interested in picking a side on that one. There's some uh, Canadian YouTubers. They're very popular. I'm pretty sure you know who I'm talking about. Knuck boys. I wasn't going to say their name. Oh, but... <laughs> oh sorry. Sorry. But they're very popular. And I think they've chosen a side because it's sexy and it brings eyeballs. I don't know if they honestly believe it because 
at the end of the day, they're not even American, so it doesn't really affect them what happens here. But I think they're jumped on that bandwagon because they know that it's going to bring them money. And there's people who do it. You've got, um, I mean, I, I don't tend to plug into too much of stuff, but you got the Hodge twins. Those two, they went from being fitness guys into, you know, political commentators. Mm-hmm. John Burke, he's another ex-military guy. You know, he's gone from fitness into, you know, political stuff. There's a whole array more of them. There's yeah. some local Muppet who is a trainer here and then turned into, you know, one of these big, like, alt-right conspiracy theorist types yeah. peddling that sort of stuff on social media. And, okay, like, I understand what he's up to. And he's courting this audience built around this whole thing under the, the guise of freedom of speech and a few other things. But he's pushing that stuff into a whole nother realm. Um, and he's getting he's getting frustrated people wound up. And none of it's authentic. Yeah, I mean, I understand what's real and genuine, and I know what's just someone building a brand around it. It's you know, your political talking heads in the U.S. They don't care about change; they care about being important. They care about their own brand within this stuff. And I mean, we're we're getting away from fitness here, but honestly, this applies to fitness and everything. If you ever notice how, let's say, anyone listening, you're you're part of a particular side, a political tribe, okay, whether it's left or right. And you have your talking heads on the left. Let's use Acacia Cortez, right? She's a good example of this. And you agree with everything she says, but she gets you really pissed off and motivated and angry and passionate because you agree with all these complex topics that she's taken aside on. But then you see Candace Owens say a bunch of shit. Oh, you don't like Candace. Candace gets you mad. She gets you passionate. She gets you wound up. She gets you excited. It's the same thing. You're distracted. You're full of anxiety. Let's say you're on the flip side of it. You're a Candace fan, right? Candace, she's she's a provocateur. She's trying to get you all twisted up to her agenda. You see Acacia Cortez. Oh, you're pissed now. You can't stand Acacia and her message. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's the people saying the shit that you agree with or it's the people saying the shit you don't agree with. It really is having the same net effect. It's leaving you distracted. And not focused on stuff like your family and your fitness and your health and your business and your career and all these other things that are within your realm to control within to a reasonable extent and make your life better. You know what starts changing things a little bit? You have a really thriving livelihood to the point where you stop worrying too much about what politicians are doing. Yeah. And there's gonna be people gonna be mad at that message. Like, oh, that's not that's not right. There's all these people who are being, you know, affected, blah, blah, blah. These are all these victims like, okay, so you're now the person who gets to speak for all those people, right? It's funny, like up here, you know, I'm not going to tell the story. I was going to tell about how my <laughs> girlfriend responds to this kind of stuff. Let's just say she's Jamaican and she does not like it very much when, when pink haired white girls start telling her how she's supposed to feel about certain things. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. It Fear is currency. Mm. Like totally. people try to I used to date a girl. She worked for a local news station. She's a reporter. And we used to do, well, not we, but uh, past tense, but we do stuff for like the homeless here in town. And I wanted to do something where we were going to get like collect tampons for women because I found out that like a lot of homeless women do not have that. You know, I didn't know that. And she's like, oh, I can pitch a story, but I don't know if they're going to want that because it's not hard hitting news. And that's not like something feel good does not sell. It's something like somebody's getting murdered. Cause like if you hear stuff about Memphis, you think we're in a fucking war zone here. <laughs> like, uh, like it's always something bad's happening here, but it like 
everyday life is not that bad, but the news sells it that same way. And it's like if they're doing a local level, obviously they're doing it on a grand level too, like NBC, you know, Fox News, whatever, CNN. And like I said, it's just it's so sad that like like you're saying about the Candace Owens and AOC, you know, they pit it. Everybody's being pitted against each other. And at the end of the day, we're all fucking human. So why are we all so mad? This is man-made bullshit. Like some guy or some person was like, hey, we're going to Democrat, Republican, left or right. And it's like, why? If the aliens come down. They're here, man. <laughs> they're here. Know? And that's even just saying the aliens are bad. I don't think they probably are. But because that's, you know, human nature. You think somebody's got to be a villain and a hero. But. It's just sad, man, like how we're wasting our life. Life is so short and we're fighting with each other instead of just living to our best ability. And I'm just not interested in playing those games. Yeah, it's just, and it's so many people like in the last couple of years here in America, it's just so sad how like everybody's against each other. It's so it's ridiculous that it has something bad has to happen like 9-11 or the pandemic when it first started happening for people to come together. But then we go back to our normal bullshit. Yeah. And very quickly, the pandemic divided people on tribal lines, right? And now we have the conflict in Ukraine and it's, there's always going to be something too. Um, And, and it complicated stuff. Right. And you know what, at the same time in my industry, a lot of fitness professionals all of a sudden are constitutional scholars, even ones that aren't even American, or they're urologists and epidemiologists, and they're you know political commentators on uh, on world diplomacy. And the reality is, is none of them know shit about any of this sort of stuff. And I, I, I actually just refuse to participate in this stuff on my social media because it's distracting and it takes me off mission. And I would rather, I believe, I can make the world a better place if I grow my own reach and that means following sure social media follow people say oh it's a vanity metric if i'm getting good information in front of more people and drowning out the influencers who are sharing bad info and it's positively affecting more people so that way they're getting healthier and that yeah. trickles through society or someone reads one of my articles on one of the publications i write for listens to my podcast and it has a positive impact on their life then that's the way i can make the world a better place not by yelling at people that they're they're terrible people because they vote this way or that way. I'm not interested in policing that stuff. I don't care. Um, I care about people being healthier. The hardest way to win a friend over is telling them they're stupid. And that's what people do on both sides. They're like, oh, you're fucking ignorant because you don't believe this. Well, to have a conversation with them, don't talk down to them. Like I had a CFO one time and he's like, nobody depend, regardless of how much you make, you don't deserve to be talked less than to. And a lot of times people in higher positions are like, oh, I know more than you. Let me talk down to you. And it's like, why? You're a human just like I, you piss and shit just like I do. Yeah. I got, you know, where we work, like, it's really not bad anymore because they've gotten rid of a lot of managers that were doing that or something like that. You know, they got, they moved them out of the management roles. You know, they restructured some stuff. And it was just like, you need to do this, 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 this. Like, they're just pointing, like, as they're sitting high above us, you know, like, I'm like, dude, like, chill man like we're gonna get our stuff done like there's no need to call me a hundred times or talk bad to me on the phone like you know i we you can just talk to me like a fucking human instead of yelling at me because now i promise you i'm not gonna do it you well, know they, like they generally say like people don't leave companies they leave management yeah so you're leaving people that make you feel less than and it's just like and that like i said that plays in so many levels of human 
just interactions. Like if you're going to treat somebody like a piece of shit because they're a Democrat or Republican or whatever, or, you know, it's just like, just treat them like a human and listen to their side of it. It's like, especially since we've been doing this, you don't realize how much you don't know until you talk to somebody that knows something, you know, like I feel so like we, we had a guy on here. His name is Hopper and he owns a brewery here in town. And he was talking about <laughs> brewing beer. And I'm like, I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. It's like Greek to me. They are so funny. Like he's sitting there. Tony's like, so how do you make beer? And like, it was like a five minute answer. You know, he was just talking and, you know, he's, you could see he was all pumped up telling Tony how to do it and stuff. And Tony's just like, you're still talking about it. <laughs> you know, not like, no, not, just, not like not bad way. Know, I'm saying, like, like, you know, it's, it's just, just like new information. Yeah. It's like so much the process that he had nothing. He had no idea how to do the stuff. You know, I know some of it because I work for Budweiser. And you just have to learn that stuff. We have to take tests and stuff. So we have to kind of learn it. But learning new things that people tell us and stuff like that, like, it's pretty cool because you're like, oh, okay. I never knew that. Absolutely. I love exposing my things that are beyond my comfort level and knowledge base. It's very easy to say, oh, I, you know, I want to continuously learn, but you never step outside of the things you already know and you're comfortable with, right? And it becomes more performative. I genuinely like going to educational seminars where I feel really goddamn stupid because I'm like, this person is smart and really good at what they're doing, but I'm going to try to absorb the the bits that I can. I just, I love the experience of it. And I like reading books. I recently did the Bitcoin standard and I'm not a crypto guy. A lot of, a lot of it is usually guys become crypto bros, right? That's sort of crashing a little bit now. There's not as much of it. And they're usually just chasing get rich quick schemes, but I want to understand, okay, what is the deal with blockchain technology and what are the economics behind the philosophy of, of, um, of Bitcoin or, or any cryptocurrency? And this book did a pretty good job of answering a lot of those questions because there's a lot of stuff happening. Now, NFTs are the big thing. And your boy, Gary Vaynerchuk is bullish. Oh, God, on I love that guy, man. And I mean, for me, the idea of like selling, pick, buying pixelated monkeys for half a million dollars. <laughs> I mean, yeah. dude, those... But, no, I agree with you on that part. I agree with him, though, with the utility part of it, though. And well, I think he's doing it right. I think a lot he, of people are trying to do just a quick grab. But, yeah. like, his shit, like the book games and the uh, V Friends and the conference that he's doing. Because, I, like I said, I'm I'm all in, man. Like, I, I wish I would have bought the V Friends when it first came out. But I did buy the book games. And they're coming out with a new series of the V Friends, which I'm going to purchase those. But his stuff is, like... Like I said, it's utility based because there's a thing that he posted the other day where if you bought a uh, a V friend, you get access to him to go sit courtside at three Knicks games for the year. So there was some guy that got to go courtside with him. So you're sitting for a whole fucking game with Gary V picking his brain. It's like two hours, man. That's pretty yeah, cool. So he's doing hours. it right. But like you said, on the other flip side, there's a lot of people just trying to get money and trying to fuck their their followers over. Totally. And. Again, it goes into the blockchain technology. It goes into the metaverse. And I mean, like, yeah, I, I don't exactly feel great about signing up for the matrix. <laughs> to be, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, I have a theory that sometime in 2012, and I half jokingly, half seriously think either the apocalypse happened and we like are the just, <laughs> yeah, we are, we are literally living through the apocalypse. Because think about the crazy shit that's gone on the last 10 years. Or we've been living in the simulation. I really have to pull up this meme. I, I know that like it, 
people listening won't be able to see it, but it's a picture of Nick Cage looking stressed out with his palms clasped in front of him like this. And it reads Satan five days into Armageddon, realizing humans are already adapting and starting and started making memes about the demon. (laughs) (laughs) Part of me thinks that's really what's going on. on. But okay. So the metaverse, I don't know much about it. I'm going to have to learn a little bit. Do I want to go and buy a, a metaverse house and all this sort of stuff? Hell no. But does it make sense for companies like Nike and Coca-Cola to actually figure out what the hell is going on in there and, and have brand awareness in a space that there is going to be a community they are going to want to live in this virtual space? It sure does make a lot of sense. So it's about understanding what the hell this stuff is, not dismissing it outright as stupid. And yes, I think that buying these, these, these what is it? These uh, apes, board apes. Board apes. Yeah. I think that shit's moronic. Mm-hmm. What? You know what? If you have enough money, if you have the kind of fuck you money where you can literally set it on fire, because that's what buy one of these apes is yeah, setting your yeah. money on fire. Then you know what? I don't care what you do with your money. <laughs> I think maybe if you took that money and you cared about what's going on in the world, some place where people are being t- treated really poorly, I think it would be a better use of the bloody money. But I mean, fuck it. I mean, people are going to do what they're going to do, and I can't even worry about it. See, I think the thing with the bored ape is i think theirs is more like status so if you have whatever ape you have like you can put that as your profile picture on twitter or instagram or facebook because i know twitter now has a thing if you can put your nft as your to verify that it's actually your nft but i know there's a utility attached to the board apes like you can get like access to clubs yachts like it's it's more of like a status thing, like celebrity type shit. What's the one that Gary V has? That's the restaurant one. What is that? Oh, one called? I think it's like Fly Fish or Flying. It's like a it's a utility or it's a NFT only restaurant. So if you don't have the NFT, you can't get into his restaurant. I like I said, I think that guy is doing it right. But I think a Gary, lot of like I said, people are doing just like doing some fuck shit with their stuff. Gary is a smart man. I I like his books a lot. I like his media. Uh, Crushing it, the the updated Crush It is a phenomenal read if anybody's looking to to grow social media or media in general. Uh, I like his new book, 12 and a Half, I think it's called. That's not bad, but he's just a smart guy. And if you're really looking at being forward-facing in terms of what's out there for social media and other technology stuff, you, know, you should probably listen to a li- at least a little bit of what Gary's saying. Like I said, he I think his stuff is is beneficial for people not even just in business but just in life yeah like um this 400 trillion to one like how like you're being blessed to be born a human or his fuck you monday like some people are down sad about monday it's like you have a chance to be alive you could have been fucking this microphone or whatever you know or you couldn't have been born at all like if your parents didn't fucking the pro- like the proper time like you may not be here so i'm i'm like as i say bullish on gary v but I hate when people hate on Gary V without really like watching his stuff the way you do. You like know, like your dad. Not not. It's <laughs> not a your real dad. Not my real dad. <laughs> we so, have a buddy of ours that like fucking hates. So I'll time. send him like a a thing that Gary V said like from Instagram or something like that. He's like, man, this guy's so full of shit. I don't know why y'all are so invested in him. I was like, dude, I'm just sharing something I thought was relevant to what we've been talking about. Like, because we were talking about like car, like baseball cards or something like when we were kids. You know, I was like, do you have? I was like, do you have any of your old cards or anything? He's like. I don't think so. I was like, I still have a bunch of mine. 
And maybe now it's time for me to go to my parents' house and dig them out and start looking if anything's really valuable, you know? But, like, he's like, oh, that's so stupid. That, that's not going to be any money. And then year ago, they just sold a Mike Trout card a couple of weeks ago for, like, $3.4 million. They literally pulled it out of a pack of cards that cost one ninety nine ninety nine or something like that. From like, you know that thing I showed you? Yeah. It's like they just do fresh rips off on Facebook Live. Like, so this pack belongs to this person that bought it. This pack belongs to this person. And they opened them in, on, on Facebook Live, and they pulled some super rare Mike Trout card just out of the random pack. And and the guy that owned it that bought that pack decided to sell it at auction or whatever it was. It got like, and then somebody else resold it. So like, it's, it, it, you know. I just think it goes back to kind of like what you're saying about negativity, though. Like some people are just in that mindset where they're going to hate on something regardless. You know, it's just like, why? Like, why are you investing that time in hating on somebody? Yeah. And I think it's a big opportunity to look inward and go, all right, well, what's 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 wrong with how you're feeling about your own life, your own business, whatever. And I found that the, the worst bad faith actors, the nastiest people in my industry who are hell bent on tearing down and canceling other people are often the ones who are the least successful mm. or there's, there's a lot of undealt with shit going on with them. And I, I don't begrudge those people. I don't wish any ill will on them, but once I identify them, I give them a very wide berth. I don't want to deal with them. I've, I've had exchanges or interactions with a few of the more malevolent ones. And you know what? I'm just not interested in being being affected by them. So I can't let myself be affected by them. And if it means straight up blocking people, so be it. Or it just means staying out of those kind of discussions and in those uh, ecosystems. I would rather interact with people who are focused on or interested in the same things that I am. And certainly within my industry, and I think this goes broader, whenever there's a, a public teardown of someone who's done something stupid, whether or not they deserve it. And sometimes they had it coming. I take note of the people who are the, the cancel, the people who are doing the canceling. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I watch them carefully too, because if that's part of their brand and their media and their behavior, they are bad faith actors of their own. They look for these kind of opportunities and the person they're tearing down again, may very well have it coming. I, there was a recent incident where, um, a real greaseball, a guy who probably probably should have criminal charges up on him, um, you know, sexual predator, basically, mm-hmm. in our industry. I'd never heard of him before. Apparently, he's got a big TikTok following, but apparently he bought a lot of it, too. I don't know. And there's a big cluster of accounts. A friend, I, I won't say any names, a friend of mine participated, and she will occasionally speak out about this sort of stuff. And I know her integrity. But there was another cluster of people I'd never heard of or seen before, mostly big TikTokers. And I got really negative energy and clout chasing Mm. off of their behavior as they were participating in ultimately cancel culture and this teardown of this guy who really had it coming. So what do I take from it? Okay. There's always lessons in terms of how you interact with the industry, but this particular community, I don't want to cozy up to those people either because not that I do a whole bunch of shit that would warrant a teardown, but I, I see them for who they are and I see their energy and I don't want to be associated. And so I won't share their media. I will not have them on my podcast. I will not include them in, in, in presentations or anything else that I do across the industry. Um, I want to keep my distance from people who 
seem to revel in that sort of thing. Yeah, it's like, why do you want to kick somebody when they're down? Like, what do you get out of that besides, like, like you said, clout? Well, it's it's a demonstration of how righteous you are. Yeah. Right. It's I mean, it's it's virtue signaling. Mm. Right. Absolutely. Straight up. It is. It is. Look at me. I am a virtuous person because I am participating in this whole thing. And I find those are the people who are patting themselves on the back for a job well done. They're also the least likely to go volunteer at a homeless shelter or donate some money to UNICEF or anything that would probably go a lot further to making the world a better place. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they consider themselves the police of the Internet. Right. It's like they say, if you tail somebody long enough, like a police tail somebody long enough, you're going to do something wrong eventually. And we've all done stuff we're not proud of. So like these people that are coming after people for doing something like say they're not truly a bad person, but they made a mistake or they made a bad tweet or comment or something. We've all done stuff. And if we all had a tail on us or a camera on us all the fucking time, we're all going to be canceled. 100%. You know? It's, and it's like they don't think that, though. They only want to see, oh, you did this. Well, bitch, what did you do when you were like 15 or 20 or something when you're not that mature? Oh, and that they'll turn on each other real fast, too. Really, really fast. Yeah. How do you deal with. I don't. Do you deal with a lot of like online hate? No. And this comes up in presentations as well. It's one of the big fears, the lies that people tell themselves why they won't content or try to build a brand and they're worried about kind of two things one is they're worried that the industry leaders will come in and critic critique or ridicule or find a problem in something that they've said the successful people in the industry are far too busy mm. they're not policing the internet to see what you say yeah there are a small handful of bad faith actors in our space and again i won't say names who like to get in, involved in negative stuff. And they're generally well-known and they're not very well-respected. And a lot of times it's just insecurity projected out into the industry and they like fighting. So I give them wide berth. I avoid them. And in a couple of cases, they've sniped at me or, or said something. And what I've noticed is if you overwhelmingly act with integrity and you have great relationships across the industry, everybody else either collectively yawns or tends to show up and kind of defend you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And nothing happens. Move on, right? And if you don't inflame the situation, cool. Then it rarely turns into anything more than that. And then the second is just trolls or some random person who disagrees. It's like if you're hell-bent on posting shit about artificial sweeteners, right? The research or whatever says that they're they're safe and healthy. And there are people who are like, oh, it's fucking poison. They lose their minds. Well, first of all, it's not something I really like to dabble in. My friend Spencer Nadolsky is a medical doctor, obesity specialist. He'll post about this stuff a lot and the research on how, you know, it's okay to have a diet Coke. It's better than if you're trying to lose weight, it's okay to have a diet Coke. People go completely bananas on him and he's good at dealing with trolls. But guess what? If you get someone in there, who's freaking out, block them, gone, delete the bullshit. Yeah. Um, Especially if the bullshit is directed at other followers, you got to stand up for those people too. And I found that overwhelmingly, this is what you miss out on if you don't show up to just share good info. Overwhelmingly, the feedback is positive. People are very gracious They'll turn up in my messages and ask me to come on a podcast or just say supportive shit or they, they ask to hire me or whatever else is going on. Right. Yeah. They listen to the podcast and that feels great. And it's certainly more than makes up for the occasional asshole and the occasional asshole is really easy to deal with. Again, Instagram, which is where I like to play. It allows you to restrict people. It allows you to mute people. It allows you to block people. 
right? You can delete bullshit comments. Yeah. Easy, right? Very, very easy. And that's how I deal with it. And I just continue to otherwise, you know, engage with people in a positive way. And that attracts positive energy. If you're mm-hmm. always engaged in negative shit and attacking and tearing down other people, you'll attract like-minded people who bring negative energy with them. Like they say, like, it's generally somebody that says something bad about you. It's a reflection of who they are. It's like, why are you hurt so bad that you want to take your time out to comment on somebody else's content? Like you consume their content to talk shit. It's like, what else could you do with your fucking time? than write a fucking thing that is going to make somebody feel sad. Like, did you win? Like, it's pathetic, man. Yeah, it's so fucking pathetic. It's, it's because we we don't see the person on the other side of the internet as a real person. Mm, their avatar, pretty when, much. When you, when you see someone right in front of you on the street, you see a real human. And unless there's something really nasty going on, you tend to have a bit more empathy for that person. But what it's, what's it like when you're behind the wheel of a car and you want to go somewhere and someone's driving slower, cuts you off, oh, fucking asshole it's it's no longer another person yeah that's a person who's just trying to get home it's a person who's got kids or you know his older parents are taken care of or you know maybe it's a 75 year old lady who's still feeling pretty independent and very grateful that she's able to still drive her car right and if we can put ourselves into the shoes of this other person and empathize with human and then extend that to the internet Someone who's coming in and maybe they're being a little bit difficult. Well, maybe that person's having a bad day. It's also about being charitable about the assumptions you make about their intentions. Yeah. And sometimes you can kill them with kindness and turn around and ask some questions and go, Hey man, like I actually totally hear what you're saying. And I'd like to hear more about your perspective on this so I can understand. And sometimes people just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. Right. And someone, and other are definitely malevolent trolls, but maybe somebody just is having a really shitty day and they feel insignificant, small. And for someone to turn around and actually like acknowledge them could change everything. I've seen a lot of plagiarism in the industry. My friend Jonathan Goodman is kind of wise to this. This is where I got this idea. We don't assume that the person, like my stuff's been stolen a number of times and you know, people brought it to my attention. But if you message a person and say, hey, you know, um, just want to chat, like this, this is something that you know I've written and I know sometimes we outsource content and, you know, maybe they have a virtual assistant who, you know, writes stuff for them. And that person took some shortcuts and found it on the internet. Now, usually the person is stolen content, but you give them an out. And I've had people block me and just be assholes. And I've had people turn around and apologize, make public apologies and earn loyal followers who made the mistake of plagiarizing something. So, and honestly, it tends to feel better in your everyday life if you are charitable about what you think are people's intentions. And it goes back to what we said about different political tribes earlier. Um, you know, there's a lot of statistics on this stuff when they research people of different beliefs and, and what they think about the other side. And, you know, get, I don't want to go in deeper than that, but it just gets pretty nasty, but these are real people too. But if you just go about your day, assuming that most people have good intentions and they're not the person on the road or the other, the person on the internet is not trying to ruin your day you react differently and you feel better. Yeah. I know they always say like, you don't see somebody successful, usually tearing somebody down that's on their level or, you know, beneath them. 
Like you don't see Michael Jordan getting on fucking well after the last dance maybe he does. <laughs> maybe he does. <laughs> <laughs> but you generally don't see somebody like that like getting on YouTube talking shit. You know, like yeah. and it's usually somebody that it's not happy with their life and like I said they want to get a reaction. And sometimes I've seen that people will say something negative to like a celebrity or somebody that's like an influencer or whatever. And then they'll be like, talk shit. And then the person will reply. And they're like, oh, I didn't think you reply. I love you. And it's like, that's not way to make friends, man. Oh, like it's like a, they don't, they're not handling their own account kind of thing. I guess they just want to push buttons. <clears throat> like they're just going to say, because like he said, they, they don't treat it like they're not a real person when they're saying the thing. They don't think there's going to be a re- cause to their reaction. Right. There's also another side of this too. And it's the, the person with the brand, the media. If you always respond to trolls people with disingenuous uh, you know intentions with by giving them a lot of attention and getting into arguments and proving whatever you're also training people that that's the way to engage with you and get your attention mm-hmm. and i've got friends who instead of ever doing that sort of stuff their their time is reserved for their paying clients now i love engaging on social media in a positive way and and i haven't found enough bad people have come in to create any issues for me. But you also got to set some boundaries around that stuff too. And again, it goes back to deleting and blocking the bullshit. Yeah. Cause like you said, it, they always say like, if you, you could have like a thousand positive comments and you see that one negative and that's what people want to respond to. And it's like, that's why it's like, you know, like focus on the people that love you instead of the people that hate you. That's that's a that's a logical fallacy or a, that's that's just a, a piece of human psychology. Yeah, right? we we are biased towards negative information. It's evolutionary. I'm out of time, gentlemen. This oh, I'm sorry, man. Oh, sorry, man. My bad about that, dude. Um, no, no, hey, that's that's okay. I've got I've got a little bit more work to do this evening. Got to spend yeah. some time with my girlfriend, but it's been really great to chat with you guys. Can you give us? Uh, we always ask people to give advice for people. Like, so ask me that again. What's your advice for people? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in looking at your world and getting a greater sense of what you are in control of, what you are able to influence, direct more of your attitude, your energy, your thought process into things that you can change positively influence. And you'll be surprised at how that'll change your mood, your mindset, your outlook. It'll add up to being good for you, whether it's your career, your relationships, your physical health, and let go as much as you possibly can of the media and the things that are making you angry that are your, it's the tail wagging the dog. If if people are familiar with that uh, euphemism And, and again, it goes back to the, the talking heads, political, ideological talking heads, the people who thrive off of controversy we're following them. We're showing up. We're subscribing to their messaging. And we, we say it because ooh, we have to stay informed. Are you really staying informed? Or are you plugging into only one tribe of very biased ideological uh, belief systems? And if you can recognize that and step away from it, expose yourself to some contrary points of view, expand your horizons on that. But quite frankly, I think it's just better to tune that stuff out, to unfollow the, the political stuff, the, the complex social stuff, the stuff that you agree with, because it is distracting you from your own well-being. And you can feel like, well, I need to be informed. I, I Only good people care about this sort of stuff. Well, okay, sure. But do something about it by 
earning more money, creating more time, and then using that money and time to actually make the world a better place by allocating it in a way that most aligns with your values. And you can get a lot more time and a lot more energy if your physical health is in a good place. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't buy into this whole idea about lecturing other people about what they should or shouldn't do. I'm a big believer in taking care of your own health and your well-being. Um, yeah, I think that's a good place to leave it off. Man, I appreciate your time and Thanks, enjoy your man. time with your girlfriend. And thank you. Hello, for your, girlfriend. Man. You're amazing, man. I enjoyed this conversation. Hello, Tony. It's been amazing to chat with you guys. Uh, you're great hosts. I appreciate it. And uh, when this is released, I'll share it on my media. Thanks, appreciate man. it, man. Have a good one, brother. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. Bye. Bye.